Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Hey now, it's the Hammer and Nigel Show, also known as Hammer and Friends. <laughs> <laughs> because Nigel is never here. Uh, so today, I've got the privilege of having the lovely, the talented Mindy Winkler with us. Thank you. And... Chris Hammer, Woo! the boy, up, invited back once again. I'm loving the MTV shirt, by the way. It's <laughs> Thank awesome. You. Thank you. <laughs> Mindy Winkler, dreams do come true for you. You get to work with two hammer men today. I know. I'm kind of nervous about getting double hammered. Whoa! <laughs> hey, hey! My God, Mindy! <laughs> What's the meaning like that? Mike Pence used to sit in this chair. <laughs> Yeah, 55 seconds into the show, Mindy. We just had a training session yesterday about this kind of stuff. Good Lord. Uh, Well, if that's any indication of how this hour is going to go, put your big boy pants on. Uh, We got a lot of stuff to get to. Last night was that Secretary of State debate, and the Republican candidate, Diego Morales, didn't show up or even respond to the invitation from the League of Women Voters for a debate. Uh, The Democrat, Destiny Wells, she was there. The Libertarian, Jeb Moore, was there. So, Mindy, let me ask you this. This isn't like a Senate race. This isn't a governor's race. It's a Secretary of State race. you got to be pretty hardcore into this kind of thing, like we are, to actually give a damn about this. Right. So, Diego not showing up. Is this something that is really going to hurt him, or do people already have their minds made up at this point? If they're watching that, they already know who they want. I mean, most if of you're the- watching a Secretary <laughs> of State debate, most of the- I bet we could walk out here and no one knows who the Secretary of State is currently. So why right. would they bother with this? Yeah, if they're if they're concerned about voting for this, they already know. Uh, Morales claims he was at a Lincoln Day dinner in some small county in Indiana somewhere, which is interesting because this tells me that he is still trying to wrap up the Republican vote. Because this late in the game, why would you be doing one of these dinners with people who should normally, it should be automatic that they're voting for you? Right. So that was last night. Again, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the Secretary of State race (laughs) because literally I can hear people getting close to turning the station, right? (laughs) you got to be a diehard politico to be upset one way or the other about something that happened in the Secretary of State race. Right. This is very Rob Kendall. It is. (laughs) Right. And people turn the channel on Rob Kendall all the time. (laughs) Chris is laughing. He knows. Um, So let's get into some bigger stories here. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard has announced she's leaving the Democratic Party, and she did so in a message she put out on social media. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism, who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. 
So that was part one of this message that Tulsi Gabbard puts out on social media. The main nuts and bolts of that is she claims she doesn't want to be part of a Democratic Party that's now under complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness. Uh, Chris, you are kind of an old soul when it comes to this kind of stuff. For a kid that just turned 18, uh, you know and you follow this stuff more closely than anybody I know. Tulsi Gabbard announcing that she is no longer part of the Democratic Party. Does this do anything for you? Uh, well, does she have a date to prom? Okay. <laughs> Come on. Now, I'm trying to do, like, a good show here. I got Mindy over here doing filth, florin, florin, filth. I was talking about drinking. Y'all are dirty minds. you, Chris, are trying to become cougar bait for Tulsi Gabbard. Well played, Chris. Yes, she's keep, very cute, by the way. Keep shooting your shot, kid. Yes. Um, here's a little bit more from Tulsi Gabbard. Now, I believe in a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country— and I invite you to join me. So there's some interesting phrases in that last bit of audio we played there, Mindy. She's calling on a specific group to follow her. Who do you think she's talking to at this point? Are there really folks that are down the middle that will follow Tulsi Gabbard one way or the other? I certainly hope so. I mean, I'm listening to her. I'm like, wow, I'm just impressed. I'm, I'm disappointed, but impressed. It took you this long to figure this out. But I think there might be a few. But I, all I can think of, though, is Jerry Maguire. You know, who's coming with me? Right. Who's coming with me? And everybody sits around, and you see Bob Sugar eating a sandwich. Exactly. It's kind of got that same vibe to it. Right, I'm with you on that we're one. We're kind of enjoying our money that we make in this position. So enjoy your time, Tulsi. <laughs> uh, but the timing, you know, this close to midterms, just a little interesting. I don't know if it moves the needle one way or the other, but the timing is certainly interesting. And for the Republicans, and again, I— this bait this with my wife all the time like because she kind of likes Tulsi Gabbard I kind of do too to me let's pump the brakes just a little bit because she voted for a lot of ridiculous crap right she's also kind of a gun grabber which is surprising considering her time in the armed forces so before we say she's this new champion come on over to our side and eh, let's pump the brakes just a little bit here uh now speaking of the midterms last night there was a senate debate in ohio now ohio is one of the key races to keep an eye on you've got uh, Tim Ryan, longtime career politician, had a very bad presidential run of the last cycle. And then J.D. Vance, a military vet. He's an author. These two are going head to head. It's a pretty nasty campaign. And this is how much I love the Hammer and Nigel Show audience. So, Chris, you're on fall break. Last night, we watched the Monday night football game, which was a great game. And I won a bet. So I was feeling pretty good. <laughs> After the football game, what was your old man doing in the living room? Probably drinking. Well, yes. <laughs> but what I was I you, watching, Chris? <laughs> the Senate debate in Thank Ohio. Thank you. <laughs> and besides, I think people know that I was drinking. I think you have to if you're going to watch that, honestly. Well, see, this is the thing, right? I watched this crap so you guys don't have to. It was a good football game. I was still up. I was excited. I won some money. I may or may not have had a beer or two, Chris. <laughs> 
Uh, but I found a stream and I rewatched the Ohio Senate debate. And man, this was pretty good because J.D. Vance handed Tim Ryan his ass throughout that entire really? debate. Take a listen to this. We're going to play some clips here. This is... Uh, when the conversation tried to shift to January 6th, Tim Ryan wants to make everything January 6th. This is how J.D. Vance handled that. I find it interesting how preoccupied you are with this at a time when people can't afford groceries, people can't afford to walk down the streets safely. Let's focus on the significant issues right now, <laughs> Thank Tim. You, and that is what so many people have been saying. While you're spending time talking about how a guy in a Viking hat and a ski bro brought down democracy, people can't afford to fill up their gas tanks, go to the grocery store. Right. It's double the cost. Drugs in the community. There are real issues going on, and nobody outside of your back door gives a blue damn about January 6th because for an entire summer of 2020, worse things were happening in our communities. Correct. Uh, this was the moment to me, though, where... J.D. Vance absolutely put Tim Ryan's ass in a body bag. Uh, they were talking about the 10-year-old abortion story. Remember, this was a big deal in Indiana. Yes. The girl that was raped who then wanted to have an abortion. Uh, take a listen to J.D. Vance responding to Tim Ryan on this topic. Look, I've always believed in reasonable exceptions. This is a misrepresentation of my view. But let, let, let's hear it from me, not from Congressman Ryan. Uh, I, I absolutely think the 10-year-old girl, the case that we've, of course, heard a lot about, an incredibly tragic situation. I mean, look, I've got a 9-year-old baby girl at home. I cannot imagine what's that, what that's like for the girl, for her family. God forbid something that, like that would happen. I have said repeatedly on the record that I think that that girl should be able to get an abortion if she and her family so choose to do so. But let's talk about that case. Because why was a 10-year-old girl raped in our community, raped in our state in the first place? The thing the media and Congressman Ryan, they talk about this all the time. The thing they never mentioned is that poor girl was raped by an illegal alien, somebody that should have never been in this state in the first place. You voted so many times against border wall funding, so many times for amnesty, Tim. If you had done your job, she would have never been raped in the first place. Do your job on border security. Don't lecture me about opinions I don't actually have. Damn. Wow. Damn. <laughs> Somewhere, Apollo Creed's corner guy is going, throw the towel! <laughs> throw the damn towel! Somebody was banging the, the, the bell, going, come, rings the ton, rings the Wow. <laughs> so that was what was going on last night in Ohio. And I want to play a couple more clips here because I think this just shows the arrogance of some of these career politicians. So Tim Ryan thinks he deserves some sort of medal for spending 20 plus years living off the taxpayer money and working less than four days a week. Um, while the district he was elected to represent, Youngstown, just lost thousands of jobs to China. <laughs> so Ryan, he's got the balls to tell Vance, a Marine veteran, that uh, you know he's done a lot in the community. He used to have to put on his football jersey and go help out in the community. I'm not gonna sit here and let you demean my service that I learned from my family, that when First I went all, to Catholic school, we had to spend time going to help people. It was called senior service. I had to put on my football jersey and go serve in the community. Tim, this is an exception of that. I admire, I admire the spirit Vance. of service. No, what I don't. don't admire is the failure of accomplishment. Look at how Youngstown has done during your leadership. Uh, so you were younger 
and you had to go help out in the community. And you think that you're getting over on a guy that served in the military. Now, listen, I'm not saying that if you haven't served in the military, you haven't served your community. That's not what I'm saying at all. But don't try to one-up this dude. Chris, your thoughts? This is like if I went to my Uncle Glenn, who served in Vietnam, and I said, hey, you fought in Vietnam. I built a class float. We're basically the same guy, right? <laughs> right. Like, come on, man. Really? Right. <laughs> I did homecoming committee. You did Vietnam. We both have done things in the community. It's absolutely re-damn-diculous. And last night, J.D. Vance handed Tim Ryan his backside. And we're back. Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. Oh, there's a certain cowboy that wanted some undies last night. (laughs) The Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Chris Hammer is here. Mindy Winkler is here. So, Monday Night Football last night. Really good game. Great ending. Raiders and the Chiefs. Chiefs come away with a one-point win. But there was a moment in this game where there was just a ridiculous, I mean, just horrific roughing the passer penalty right now this is the second game in a row where one of these calls has taken place on sunday tom brady got a game saving ridiculous roughing the passer penalty now chris remind everybody why this is happening well this is happening because of the tua situation down there in miami where he took a real nasty hit and it looked like he couldn't even walk off the field uh and now the nfl is going to do everything to protect the quarterback and pretty much overcompensate for everything about it. So it's all about protecting the quarterback right now because the Dolphin team doctors kind of let Tua go out there maybe when they shouldn't have let him go and he got hurt again. So this was a horrific call, just an awful call. And Troy Aikman, Hall of Fame quarterback for the Cowboys, he's part of the broadcast crew on Monday Night Football. Mind you, he used to be a quarterback. Right. Not even a pass rusher, a quarterback. He thinks that this is getting a little carried away and had this to say. So, man, my hope is the competition committee looks at this in the next set of meetings and, you know, we take the dresses off. We take the dresses <laughs> off, meaning we let dudes be dudes. Right. Did you find that offensive in any way, Mindy? As a woman, did you find anything about that statement to where you had to write a sternly worded letter to the NFL? I was honestly thinking the exact same thing, and I was using other words in my mind. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Because no. there are folks that are upset with that choice of, of phrasing. Course. Uh, Chuck Modi of Deadspin, quote, Troy Aikman really needs to find a non-misogynistic way to critique the call besides take the dresses off. And I say this as someone who heard this misogyny normalized by coaches as a kid and even participated in myself way past time to end such sports talk. So, Chris, let me go back to you here. You are currently an athlete. You are a high school senior. You play baseball. If Chuck Modi were to find his way inside uh, your dugout or even back in the locker room before you guys took the field, would there be some things that were said that he would find offensive? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. His (laughs) head would spin 180 degrees around. See, and this goes back to that whole locker room discussion that Donald Trump had a number of years ago. The grab her in the hoo-ha thing, which he spun as locker room humor. Ask dudes who are in a locker room, who play sports. Mindy, you and I both know a couple of former professional athletes. They will tell you, 
you hear way worse in those situations. Uh, my husband will attest to the fact that when he's sitting around with us, us girls, he's like, you ladies are worse than us men. <laughs> <laughs> now, Aikman is no longer in the locker room. He's a professional broadcaster. But was he saying what everybody else was thinking? Absolutely. Like I said, I was totally what my – because that call was absolutely ridiculous. So we're not going to be allowed to ever sack a quarterback again. And he was going after the ball. Well, the sack wasn't the problem. It's he said, we we've got to take the dresses off. I'm like, yes, right. But that's what I'm saying. He's, he was making a comment because that's why they threw the flag. It was like because the guy was, you know, happened to fall on the quarterback. It was a clean hit. Yes. Rachel Lobdell of Fortune Magazine tweets, a truly awful call, but let's not overlook Troy Aikman's sexist comment. <laughs> uh, this is uh, Jason Page, a sports reporter. Did Troy Aikman really just say what I think he said? Did he really just say it's time for the league to, quote, take the dresses off? The 60s called. They want their chauvinists back. Seriously, ESPN, do better than that crap. I got five bucks that says if Jason Page ever sat down with a professional athlete and they told true stories from the locker room that he might faint. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris, you know this, like the stuff that you hear around dudes being dudes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty strong. It's vulgar. You're not condoning what you hear sometimes, but it happens. And for these people who cover sports, who really don't know their rear end from a hole in the ground to be completely flabbergasted by this cracks me up. Well, they all got their panties in a wad. Right. <laughs> so. Their panties were wadded, but yours were fine. Correct. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Mindy Winkler's here. Chris Hammer is here. And as they say in the movie Major League... Give me Vaughn. <laughs> we got Vaughn coming out of the bullpen right now in the drive. Uber.com hotline. Emma Vaughn is the national press secretary for the RNC. Emma, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You're, you're the first person to, to use the major league reference for a radio hit. I love it. Oh, man. Don't threaten us with a good time. We can, <laughs> we can talk major league all day, all right, Emma. Exactly. Uh, let's actually pivot to midterms here, though. Uh, we were speaking earlier about this debate that took place in Ohio last night where it looked like for those who just sat down and watched it, J.D. Vance handed Tim Ryan his backside on a platter last night. Now, there are some other key races going on uh, for those who might not follow this kind of stuff as closely as we all do. From eagle eye view here, what has your attention with the midterms less than a month away? Um, I think just the overall failure of Biden and Democrats is is what this midterm election is going to be about. We saw it last night um, with J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan. You saw a career politician who's constantly seeking higher office, Tim Ryan, versus a common sense principled conservative J.D. Vance, who is is willing to, you know, call out the party establishments like Tim Ryan, who have just for 20 years made life worse for people of Ohio. And you're going to see that across the board, whether that's Adam Laxalt calling out Cortez Masto in Nevada, whether that's um, Herschel Walker calling out Raphael Warnock in Georgia and and 
and so on and so forth. And you, it, it's really just common sense versus crazy at this point. And Republicans, we have the momentum. We just need to make sure our voters don't get complacent and we turn out the vote. Emma, I want to get back to some of these individual state races here in mm-hmm. just a moment. But what have you seen as more prevalent in this midterm election season? Is it candidates or is it issues? Because sometimes in the past, there have been candidates who just have that, you know, backing financially or the name recognition. But it seems like this midterm race for me is all about issues over names. What do you think? I think it's a great mixture of both. That's why Republicans are in such a good good stance and the best position, I think, and and midterms in in modern history to take back both the House and Senate. The issues are obviously on our side, whether you're talking about the economy, inflation, crime, parents stay in their children's education, the open border. Democrats have nothing to run on, and that's why they're they're resorting to political attacks across the board and low blows that, um, you know, Republicans were, were able to to call it like we see it and, and know, you know, when when the mainstream media and Democrats are are digging up untrue things or, or trying to smear our Republican candidates, that's when you know that we're winning. And that's when, you know, Democrats and, and mainstream media is, is worried. And same and, and with our candidates, I know there was a lot of um, horrible media stories about um you know, we're certain Republican candidates and, and, you know, the chairwoman McDaniel and Kevin McCarthy, Tom Emmers, Rick Scott, Mitch McConnell, they did a great job um, recruiting candidates and making sure that um, the best candidates were entered their primaries. And they came out and look at, we have Dr. Oz. He's a rock star. He's, he's working hard. And, and again, the momentum is on our side there in Pennsylvania. We have Ron Johnson in Wisconsin running one of the best races, if not the best races um, of his of his career. Then we have um, Tiffany Smiley in Washington, Adam Laxalt, like I already mentioned, Nevada. Anyway, you slice it, Republican candidates, a lot of first-time candidates, the energy we have, and again, coupled with these issues that are on our side, it, we're, we're very excited just one month out. Emma Vaughn is our guest. She's the National Press Secretary for the RNC. Uh, so, Emma, you touched on some of the attacks that we're seeing, and it's normal to have political attacks. I mean, that's pretty much what you sign up for when you decide to run for public office. But what we've seen in Indiana with Jennifer Ruth Green and her opponent, a member of Congress, reaching out to some of his cronies and a liberal writer for Politico, and then basically out her sexual assault. To me, that goes above and beyond politics, and that's just really disgusting, Emma. It's absolutely disgusting. You're absolutely right. I I believe, you know, like you said, there's always going to be attacks. There's always going to be opposition research. But there is a line in this country and and Politico and and Jennifer Ruth Green's opponent, like you mentioned, a sitting congressman completely crossed it. And I it's horrifying what what they did, shaming her as a victim, outing her as a victim. Um, it, It breaks my heart that she's having to 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 relive this traumatic experience because of because of Democrats and mainstream media who, again, like I said, are worried, you know, she's going to win that race, but she's taking it in stride. I just, I I couldn't agree with Jennifer Ruth Green more when she called it out, you know, if I wasn't running with a Republican, with an R next to my name, that we wouldn't be having this conversation. They would have listened to me when I asked them not to report this. And that is, that's, it's, 
it's just a complete double standard that Republicans we, we live with every single day. You see what they what how the media is so easy to attack Myra Flores, a great congresswoman, the first Mexican born congresswoman and the first Republican to represent the Rio Grande Valley in over a hundred years. They call her an extreme far left um, Latina. You see it, you know, Republicans every day we 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 are forced to play by a different set of rules by mainstream media and liberals. And um, it, again, it's, there's a line and they, they blew right past it. Well, and the thing is, too, I don't care what party you're on. If you are a woman in general, you should be outraged by this, even if you have not personally been victimized in this way. And for that, and what did they think they were going to gain by throwing that out there? To me, I'm, I, that would give me a sympathy vote in her favor as to, wow, you guys are jerks. Why would you put that out there with something that traumatic that happened to her? And like, as you said, had this been, if she had a D next to her name, we would be seeing riots out in the street as to, why would you do this? But the fact that she has an R next to her name, no one says a word and it's okay. And why is no one right. asking, I mean, how did they even get this information? Exactly. I know um, that's that's one thing that the National Republican Congressional Committee, the obviously the Jennifer Rupert Green campaign have been pushing back on with the RNC as well. How did they obtain this record? I know Politico saying it was a FOIA. I don't my understanding is that um, you, these type of records aren't being able to public you, public records requests do not apply for that. But again, it, it is outrageous across or it's outraging across the board. That, that Jennifer Ruth Green has to deal with this. I think it's going to backfire. You're, we're seeing it play out, and then no one, Politico, Democrats, no one look good because of this. And I think this is just a classic example of Democrats doing what they do best, overplaying their hands, pushing the envelope to the absolute extreme. And that's why, um, whether you're talking about what they're doing to Jennifer Ruth Green, what they're doing with their economy, with defunding the police, you know, it, it's going to backfire, and Republicans like Jennifer Ruth Green are going are to be propelled to victory because of it. Last thing before we let you go here, Emma, uh, we were talking about some of the individual states that have a lot of attention behind them. In Pennsylvania, it seems like for the last couple of months, we kept hearing about how the poll numbers were showing Fetterman beating the brakes off of Dr. Oz. Well, now we're seeing that get a little shorter as we get closer to Election Day. How much stock should we take into polling at all as we head into uh, the midterm election? Well, my favorite thing to say, you know, if polling was the gospel, Hillary Clinton would have been president. Um, you know, we, we can't really take too much stock into polling. Obviously, it's a good snapshot in time of, of where certain voters are going to be in that moment. Um, but, you know, our internal polling, what we're hearing and seeing, we've been on the ground in Pennsylvania since the start of this election cycle, since spring 2021. We've been talking to voters. We know they're worried about crime rates in Philadelphia energy production in the western half of Pennsylvania and and Dr. Oz and Republicans up and down the ballot are meeting voters where they are on the issues that matter whether it's the economy crime again and you see Fetterman I actually I should say you don't see Fetterman out there campaigning at all I think the debate what it's basically a week before the election day but you're going to see a clear contrast again that common sense versus crazy and when you're talking when you have a candidate like Fetterman who who wants to ban fracking who wants to release a third of the state's prisoners you know that's when that's that's going to be on full display, and, and Pennsylvanians will have no choice but to vote for Dr. Oz. Emma Vaughn, RNC National Press Secretary. Emma, you're welcome back to any time. Thank you.
Thanks for having me on. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. And we've got Halloween stuff. Pumpkins. Candy. Costumes. Halloween stuff. Dateline, Massachusetts. A woman was caught on camera posing for pictures with a 12-foot skeleton outside of a restaurant. And then she ripped off the arm and stole it. What? Here is the owner of the uh, restaurant talking about how frustrating this is. As a small business owner, right now, it's pretty frustrating because the upfront costs are very high for things like this. And you hope that they're one-time expenses. Your accountant doesn't want to see 12-foot skeleton multiple times on a line item. So, Mindy, are you a Halloween decorations person? Yes. Okay. Chris, I think I know the answer to this question, but you're all in. Yeah. Describe what the Hammer House looks like. Uh, it looks pretty much like a haunted house right now. Big, glowing, <laughs> nice, like orange lights all around the fence. We got like spider web light ups in the uh, windows. And do you have a, scary music playing? That is like something we do not come? have, but we should probably invest in. We do that on Halloween, though. Yeah, like, we do too. When yeah. we pass out the candy, I bring my DJ gear. Nice. Out, That's right. I forgot. And you we've do got that. like the playlist of Halloween songs, yeah. and we do it up that way. Um, this new list from StudyFinds.org has ranked the scariest movies of all time. And coming at number one was The Exorcist. Oh, I agree. Followed by <laughs> Halloween, Paranormal Activity, The Shining, and number five was It Follows. I don't know what It Follows is. Me either. I've seen all the others. So do you agree? The Exorcist won. Yes. Still scares me. Really? Anything with, with devil stuff that could, you know, when you're talking about something that can take over a body when it's a demon, that yeah, freaks but, me out. <laughs> I stopped being scared of the devil when Charlie Daniels came out because if <laughs> the devil is so big and bad, how does he lose a fiddle contest to a hillbilly in Georgia? You who's can't very, be that much of a prideful, by the way. Right. You can't anyway. be that much of a soul sucker if you can't beat a hillbilly from Georgia in a fiddle contest. Oh my god. Chris, when was the last time you went to a haunted house? Probably about three years ago. You're not much of a scary movie or like haunted house guy, no, are you? No. Does he I'm take not. that from you? Like, I'm not much into it. I'll watch them once in a while. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but why do you not watch, like, scary movies this time of year? Because you watch all the Christmas stuff when it comes Christmas time. You watch, like, some specials, like, at 4th of July. Mm -hmm. We watch Independence Day, but you don't get into the scary movies. It's just not my thing. Like, if, like, I don't want to watch... I don't watch something that's going to make me scared. Like it's just not. It's not <laughs> you enjoyable. Don't like having nightmares. I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not, it's just not enjoyable. I'm not going to watch something that is isn't enjoyable. Like my idea of like a Halloween movie is no matter how old I get, I'm always going to watch the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown special. Oh, well, yes, right. Every about year. Beetlejuice. But like that's about the only thing that I I really do during Halloween. Did you get into Ghostbusters? Because I made Chris I watch Ghostbusters over the pandemic. Because we the, watched the all the oldie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of okay. course. Um, <laughs> please. I'm insulted you asked. Because uh, we binge watched all of these 80s and 90s movies uh, that you know we grew up watching. Right. What was your uh, favorite of all the old movies we forced on you? Probably the Austin Powers movies, the ones really? that we watched. Those were pretty funny. I like those. Weird Science. Weird Science was pretty good. I like that. What was one that you didn't like that I know Mom or myself probably did? Mom liked The Breakfast Club. I wasn't really into it. I thought it was just kind of, eh. I thought it was kind of boring. Kind of boring. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You can send hate mail to Chris Hammer <laughs> on the uh, Twitter feed and on the YouTube well, chat. Well, that's because they don't have, you know, probably in-school detention on a Saturday anymore. There's just go home and, and do some e-learning. 
<laughs> I'd like the record clearly to state that I believe I may have been the only class president in Beach Grove High School history to serve multiple days in detention. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. Big Nige is out. Mindy Winkler is in. Chris Hammer is in. Chris, you're 18 years old. Do you ever find yourself watching any of the late night shows, the late night talk shows? Occasionally they'll be on my TV, but I'm not like paying attention to them. It's just like stuff that comes on after I've already watched something earlier in the day. You're just too lazy to change the channel. Right, or turn it off, yeah. <laughs> he is his father's son. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I ask is, Mindy, I think we are kind of along the same age group here to where when I was growing up, I couldn't wait to watch Letterman. Oh my gosh, yes. I wanted to stay up late. I wanted to watch yep. Letterman. You know, when I was young, it was Johnny Carson into Letterman. Yep. And now all of these shows are just so over-the-top political. Yes. Like they've always been political. They've always talked politics. But they've politics. made fun of everyone. Right, right. And Saturday Night Live used to be the same way where, yes, they've always done presidential bits. They've always done politics, but it's all they have right now. So last night, Kamala Harris was on with Seth Meyers. Now, judging by the ratings, nobody saw this, but we have some highlights for you. <laughs> Kamala Harris uh, last night accusing Republican governors of a dereliction of duty for sending illegal immigrants to her home in Washington, D.C., even though D.C. is a sanctuary city. And then, this is my favorite part. This is the cherry on the Sunday. She blames the Trump administration for all the problems at the border and claims that it's Joe Biden who's trying to fix what's happening. And I just think it's an absolute dereliction of duty. If you see a problem and if we agree that, that we need to address it, then if you're a leader, participate in a solution, right? When we first came in office, the first bill that we proposed was for a pathway for citizenship was to fix a broken immigration system, which was broken under the previous administration. So it was broken under the previous administration where they seemed like they had a pretty good grasp on what was happening at the border. And now over 2 million people have entered the United States. Has she even been there yet? No. <laughs> That's what I thought. No, the border czar, Mindy, has not been to the border. <laughs> She did finally make it to Europe, but she has not made it to the border, which is, you know, this statement last night on Seth Meyers show, it's it's a little perplexing to me because I was told that the border is secure by her. You're confident this border is secure. We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. Listen, we all know Joe Biden lost his fastball a long time ago. <laughs> and every time he speaks, uh, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. But Kamala Harris isn't far behind. Right. And she's got all of her mental faculties, as far as that we understand. She's just dumb. <laughs> right. Right. She's dumber than a box of rocks. Here's a little bit more from uh, Kamala last night. Listen to this nonsense. But I mean, truly, when you, you know, when you see our kids, and I truly believe that they are our children, they are the children of our country, of our communities. I, I mean, our future is really bright if we, if we prioritize them and therefore prioritize the climate crisis. 
you hear that, Chris? As the future of this country, as somebody that's still in high school, as long as climate change (laughs) is prioritized, she believes the children are their future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. All right. (laughs) I know that was the first thing in your mind, Chris. It's been really weighing on you for a while. (laughs) Quote, when you see our kids, I truly believe that they are our children. They are the children of our country, of our communities. I mean, our future is really bright if we prioritize them and therefore prioritize climate change. She likes a lot of word salad. It's the same words over and over. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, Mindy. Talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time. (laughs) It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Oh. Every day it is time for us to agree. (laughs) I am here, standing here on the northern flank on the eastern flank talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank and our nato allies is a country in europe it exists next to another country called russia russia is a a powerful country russia decided to invade a smaller country called ukraine oh thanks basically that's wrong we've been to the border you haven't been to the border And I haven't been to Europe. We must work together to see where we are, where we are headed, where we are going, and our vision for where we should be, but also see it as a moment, yes, to together address the challenges. Based on what we've just been able to see, and because we've seen it or not, doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but just limited to what we have seen. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. That's the vice president, and she's more well-spoken than the president. Let that sink in for just a moment. Now, speaking of the president, I think it's time we check in with a certain someone. Now, Chris, I'm going to give this responsibility to you. I want you to wind up. I want you to deliver some energy. This is your time to shine, kid. Who are we checking in with? All right, folks, you know who it is. It's time to check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing, Joe Biden. Hairy legs. Take a test where you're taking cocaine. <laughs> Come on, man. You ain't black. Well done, Chris. Woo! All right. Happy anniversary, everybody. Happy anniversary. Three years ago today, October 11th, Joe Biden asked Anderson Cooper, who I think we all know is a pretty outspoken gay man, if he remembered. Those days in San Francisco of gay bathhouses and around-the-clock gay sex. Remember, Anderson, back 15, 20 years ago, we talked about this in, in, in San Francisco. It was all about, well, you know, gay, gay, gay bathhouses. And every, it's all about round-the-clock sex. It's all, come on, man. <laughs> Three years ago today, <laughs> the look on Anderson Cooper's face. Like, he knows that he wants to get this guy, you know, elected and he wants to get him in but at the same time i think he wanted to punch him at the same time (laughs) he's like can we go into commercial break right now right (laughs) and joe biden because he's everybody's you know dysfunctional you know messed up uncle it's like you know you know the gay bathhouses and the gay sex and like no filter and doesn't feel like he said anything inappropriate at all right 
Now, what if I told you that wasn't the most embarrassing thing Joe Biden's ever done in public? So pick and choose here. Which one is more cringeworthy? What he did to Anderson Cooper three years ago today or just a couple weeks ago asking where the late Jackie Walarski is. And I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. That was two weeks after he named a veterans hospital after the late Indiana representative. Oh, but he was he was top of mind. Oh, top of mind. That's right. (laughs) He was meeting the family on Friday. (laughs) So we've got the Anderson Cooper incident. We've got the Jackie Walorski incident. And I think this is Kyle's favorite, where Joe Biden, a number of years ago, speaking at an event. He's trying to fire people up. There's a gentleman by the name of Chuck who's in a wheelchair that Joe Biden Biden wants to honor. Stand up, Chuck. Come and see you. Stand up. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about? Telling the guy in the wheelchair to stand up. Can I hear it one more time, Kyle? Stand up, Chuck. Come and see you. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about? So, Mindy, you've got to pick one here. Which one is more cringeworthy? The Anderson Cooper incident, the Jackie Walorski incident, or stand-up Chuck? I'm still going with Jackie Walorski because that the poor woman had passed away in an accident, and he's looking for her. Yeah, he's looking around the room and doesn't understand why she's not there. Right. Like, I get that he's Ron Burgundy, and he'll probably read whatever you put in front of him. Well, we know he does. Right. <laughs> I get that. Uh, but even after you said it out loud, wouldn't you say, wait a minute, hold on. Right. Um, you know, the late representative, you know, passed away. That's my mistake. Um, she was part of this committee. Rabble, rabble, rabble. He didn't do that. He kept looking around the room. Where the hell is she? <laughs> he was probably asking afterwards, did she just skip this? I can't believe she stood me up. <laughs> this guy, again, register to vote. It's so important. Midterms, local elections, not just your presidential elections. Right. Your local elections matter so much because you don't want people like this running the show, whether it's at a national level or a local level. Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this. Anything So we have got Mindy Winkler in studio, Chris Hammers in studio, Mondo's here. It's time to play Is This Anything? Mindy, we're going to start with you. Okay. A Colorado man was arrested for stealing a fire truck. He said that he was only moving it because the other firefighters asked him to. <laughs> okay. Which was a total lie, <laughs> and it wasn't true. Here is the Boulder Fire Rescue Public Information Officer talking about how it went down. The firefighters were able to re-engage the parking brake. The truck never went into drive. It was always in neutral. And so they re-engaged the parking brake and made sure that everything was safe. This anything? Well, Stealing yeah, a fire truck? Yes, um, because that's taxpayer dollars. Those are super expensive, and it's and that's super dangerous. And I love how he lied. Oh, they told me to. <laughs> tell random citizens to jump in there and move that for us. And it's not like you think you're going to get away with it. Right. It's not like you stole a Kia or, you know, like somebody's... It's not really inconspicuous when you're driving down the street. Right, somebody's terrain. <laughs> this was a fire truck. So honest... We're, we're all about honesty in this room here. Have you ever stolen anything? TK Dub, from a candy bar to anything else, have you ever stolen anything? Uh, besides uh, 
someone's heart. Um, okay, Mindy, what? we're moving what? on to you. Just <laughs> my, my husband and my best friend and I were just talking about this the other day. My mom is the bad influence. We were at an Orlando Perkins, and they I'd asked for sugar-free syrup, and they kind of gave me an attitude. They threw it at me. It was one of those big bottles that hadn't even been opened. And my mom's like, I dare you to take that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's the only thing I've ever stolen those so big they bottles. they threw the sugar-free syrup at you, <laughs> yes. and you stole it. Yes. Okay. I'm like, that's what you get for throwing it at me. How do you sleep at night? <laughs> <laughs> With my sugar-free syrup next to my bed. <laughs> <laughs> so when your husband says, give me some sugar, boom, there you go. Chris, you ever stolen anything? I was advised to not answer that question. Oh, come on. Now, <laughs> He's bleeding the fit. I'm not speaking to you as a dad. I'm speaking to you as a guy that's having a beer at work. In reality, like, other than, like, ketchup packets and some, like, maybe, like, a now and later from a gas station when I was, like, six, I don't think I really have that much. Does it count as theft if, like, you're at a drive-thru and they just forget to charge you and they hand you your bag and say, have a nice day? Does that count as theft? Well, sure, you didn't pay Moving for on. It. <laughs> uh, for this story, Kyle, uh, do we have any mood music that's available? Chris, I'm going to come to you for this one. All right. This is something that involves your favorite band of all time, ACDC. The Royal Australian Mint has issued a series of commemorative coins to honor ACDC's 50th anniversary. Is this anything? Oh, uh, yeah, I think this is something. Um, you know, ACDC, it's one of those bands that's considered dad rock. Even though I like it, it's considered old and dad rock. This just shows you how many people know ACDC and how popular they really are. Like, I bet I could even go into Beach Grove High School and just ask some random people, do you know this band? Do you know their songs? And they could be like, oh, yeah, that's ACDC. Even if they don't like them, they know who they are. So when you're with your friends, and I know how it is being a white kid on the South Side, you have <laughs> to just blare the most inappropriate hip-hop imaginable. Like, when you ask if you can crank up ACDC, what's usually the response? The response is usually no. <laughs> <laughs> Mindy, you get into ACDC? I do. Mondo, you an ACDC fan? Man, I tell you what, my gym teacher in middle school, Mr. Stubberman, I hope he's listening. Shout out to Mr. Stubberman for introducing me to ACDC. Wow. Every day in gym class, in the weight room, he would be blasting Highway to Hell, Thunderstruck, Dirty Deeds, you name it. He's blaring it. I didn't know who the dudes were, but I'm sure as hell glad he introduced me because we played all the time here on the Hammer well, and Nigel you know show. That I, I think it's the Back in Black album was completely written on one island, just one visit. They just did the whole thing. Mindy, have you ever played Thunder Beers before? No. Chris, do you want to explain how Thunder Beers works? What I do, uh, weddings with my dad, this is a popular game that we like to do with the crowd. You get everyone in a big circle. Um, you get everyone a drink, and we crank up some Thunderstruck. Nice. And anytime you hear the word thunder in the uh, song, you at, you stop. You pass the bottle. My Someone son was just drinking. doing this drinking game he said in my basement. Dude. Yes. I, I know, One I person starts, you know, and it's usually me. <laughs> and uh, anytime you hear the word thunder, the next person goes. And that person keeps going until you hear the word thunder again. And then you have the drum roll, the big drum solos that that person's having to drink right. forever. The beginning, and then there's a little bit of a breakdown where whoever gets caught with that, right. you might want to have two beers ready. <laughs> We totally need to play Thunder Beers at a oh, night with WIBC. Yes. <laughs> oh, that has to happen in some capacity. <laughs> we'll find a way to figure that out. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC.
It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Mindy Winkler's here. Chris Hammer is here. And joining us in studio, Miss Johnette Cruz. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Now, you've got something really cool going on. We've been talking a lot about the hurricane. Yes. I'm a weather nerd, right? So I was all in on this kind of thing. I was following the story, the devastation, and then the search and rescue, and now the recovery. And Task Force One of Indiana went down to Florida, mm-hmm. went down to the Gulf Coast. Now they're on their way back. We've talked a lot about Florida. Yes. But it was also devastating for Puerto Rico. Correct. And this is something that's near and dear to your heart. Yes, yeah, I am 100% Puerto Rican. Um, Puerto Rico is like my second home. I still have family there. And so um, I know what happens when there are tropical storms that hit there, when there are hurricanes hit there. Obviously, the infrastructure is not the greatest over on the island. And so I see firsthand what my family goes through every time a hurricane hits. And it's it's sad and it's frustrating this time around. You know, I was trying to call my grandmother. I could not get a hold of her. Um, and they actually did not have power for almost two weeks. And that was just from a Category 1 hurricane. So that just right. shows you. Because it picked up in Density yes. after it went through Puerto yeah. Rico. Yeah, absolutely. So I just, it, it boggles my mind that it's only a category one and it did that much damage to the island in and of itself. That's really fascinating because we've kind of got to the point where we're desensitized when we see, oh, it's just a cat one or it's yes. just a tropical storm because right. you've got faith in the infrastructure in the United States. Uh, Puerto Rico, which is part of the United States, right. uh, doesn't have that same infrastructure. What does like a tropical storm or even a cat one do what kind of damage is that i mean the flooding is just ridiculous my the where uh, the area that where my family is from is called san sabasian it's on the west side of the island and it's a little bit more inland so thankfully it's not on the coast but they're in the more hilly side of the island which means you know there's lots of mudslides um the hills are very narrow and the roads are narrow and so you're winding back and forth things you don't normally think about because you know we're in the united states exactly and so some of those streets and even, you know, the last time I went to Puerto Rico, my, my son came with me. And, I mean, they're so steep, the streets in of itself. Like, he got he got sick because <laughs> they were just winding back and forth. But because of that, the flooding happens very, very quickly. The roads are not 100% sustainable, especially in those more so those towns that are not, you know, heavily populated. So it can do a lot of damage in, to most parts of, of the island. What type of recovery do you normally see in Puerto Rico? Because storms roll through all the time. Yes. This is actually kind of a light gear in terms of major hurricanes and major storms making its way through the Atlantic and the Gulf and things like that. But year in and year out, you always see Puerto Rico right there kind of bearing the brunt of a lot of these storms. Right. How long does the recovery process take? It, it takes so long. So, so long. And it's kind of sad. I mean, there there are still people right now and we're talking about what, this is like a month afterwards or so of the, of the hurricane hitting and there are still people still trying to dig out, still trying to um, kind of make sense of what happened happened to their property. Uh, for a great example, my grandmother, they had to like try and suck out all of the water that was in um, their house. They actually have an apartment underneath the house. And so that got flooded. Their streets got flooded. The first part of their house got flooded. They ended up having to take everything out and put everything back in. And so a lot of things were damaged. So it takes a lot longer than I think what people realize, and especially in somewhere in like in Puerto Rico. And we're going to talk about how we can help Puerto Rico here in just a moment. And that's 
the most important thing. And I really don't want to go down a political road here. Oh, but no, you're fine. How, how is the leadership of Puerto Rico when it comes to these types of things? You know, it's an issue. It really is an issue. Um, and I think from what I've seen on social media, you know, I am on TikTok and um, I follow a lot of other uh, Latinos and Latinas that um, live in Puerto Rico and they're, they're there firsthand seeing what's happening. And when the hurricane hit, they are telling people, do not give to the government because the government will not give us the money. Please use these people and they'll list a group of people taking place of what's happening and where they feel like they can be trusted if people are going to give. And so that that is so sad right. to know that like- you, I mean, it's 100% believable, yes, but it's also but sad at just, the same time. You just don't know where your funds are actually going when the government is supposed to be helping, but in actuality, that's not at all what the case is down there right now. So what are some things that uh, we can do to help out Puerto Rico to where we know the money is going to be spent- on a legitimate cause and not yes. end up in some bureaucrat's back pocket. Yes. So um, I follow a nonprofit organization that is faith-based. It's out of Puerto Rico. It's called The Happy Givers, and they are absolutely amazing. I um, came across them on social media a couple years ago, and what they do is just phenomenal. They help Latin America countries. Um, they do a lot of humanitarian work. They, lo- they do a lot of disaster relief work in the Caribbean and in other countries in the surrounding areas. They have, like, a school in Peru. They have this place called the Costa which is a kitchen, and they help elderly uh, people in Puerto Rico get the food that they need. Um, and so I had come across their video because they're the ones that are the, that are coming out and they're helping people, and they're literally on the grounds helping every single person out there. So then they posted a video showing the destruction that the hurricane happened to their property. So it's like, okay, what what happens to these nonprofits who, like, that is their livelihood, that is what they do, but then now they're they're in that situation themselves. Like, how are they going to help people if they can't help themselves at the moment? Right. So at that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, maybe this is this is something that I can use my platform for, considering I'm Puerto Rican and I have family there, and it's very close to my heart, and I absolutely love the work that the Happy Givers do, um, and I'm very connected with them as well. So they don't even know actually know I'm doing this. <laughs> so I actually um, collaborated with a faith based magazine called Hope is Now Magazine. I write for them, um, and I'm, I'm the, my new um, column will be out for the fall issue, which is actually coming out right about now. And um, I approached them because they do lots of fundraisers for organizations, for not-for-profits, um, for churches, for schools, like anything like that. And so I approached them and said, hey, you know, would this be something that we could do? And they were like, absolutely, yes. So what's amazing about it is as donations are coming in, I'm getting a receipt of every single person that donates at the end of the funding period the money is going to come to me and then i am going to send it over to the happy givers and get in touch with the owner and it's full transparent here there's not gonna be like one of these stories yeah, where no. where'd the money go why does johnette have this three million dollar <laughs> house now on the coast i wish <laughs> yeah no no that's gonna happen i'm gonna i'm gonna record like our texting because i have the owners um i have his phone number and then i'm gonna you know make sure i screen record the amount that i'm donating so if anybody has any questions, you know, I have all the backups in case of anything. So this is great because it's something that means so much and so, so much to my heart to me. And then I'll be able to vouch for it and be like, yes, I sent in the money. I did this. <laughs> right. And the transparency is the key yes, here. You know, exactly. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, is, you know, 
when we have a situation where we might not have Wi-Fi for a couple of hours, it feels like our worlds are crumbling down. Oh my gosh, I know. And then to imagine... that phone's a part of me right now. (laughs) Right. Gosh. But then to imagine what it's like in a post-hurricane Puerto Rico where you don't have power for multiple weeks. Not just Wi-Fi, total darkness for a couple weeks. That's staggering. That's horrible. And so, you know, the last time when Hurricane Maria hit, um, and that really devastated the island completely, um, I was not able to get a hold of my family for two and a half months. They had no power at all. They had, my aunt had to fly from the States finally when they were allowing people from the States to fly into Puerto Rico. They um, were, they had her come down, and so she would be in line for a good six to eight hours just to get water. And she'd have to go on the other side wow. of the island. They were they had finally set up these stations where you could possibly get some type of reception. So she would call me and be like, hey, you know, we're fine, but then it would cut out within like 10 seconds. So I would, I would hear her and I'd be like, okay, they're okay. But I didn't hear from them for two and a half months. Like I could not get a hold of anybody. What was going through your mind? I was freaking out. Here's my grandmother that, you know, she's she's tiny. She's, you know, like, but of course she, she's a very, very spicy Latina, you know? <laughs> and um, I was just really worried for her. I wanted to make sure that everybody was okay. My, my family lives on the same street in Puerto Rico. And I can't even tell you the name of it because you cannot even map it. Like I have to fly in. And then my grandmother's always like, meet me on the corner of the Walgreens with the palm tree to the right and the <laughs> trash can to the left, you know? So like that's right. the kind of directions I get. And so they're all on a street. All you know, they all decided to retire on this one street in San Sebastian. And now I'm like, okay, I can't get a hold of anybody because they're all on the same street. So obviously they're all going to get power back on at the same time. Right. And yeah, that was really, really hard. So then to, you know, fast forward to a category one and then not to hear for her for two weeks. I was like, what in the world is happening? And then finally I was able to get a hold of her, but she was like, you know, I found a powering station, but good. I only can talk for a minute, but I'm okay. I'm good. So then I kept calling her, kept calling her. And finally she got the power back on. All right. So Johnette, one more time for those who want to help out a little bit, yes. if they've got a little bit to spare, uh, what can they do to help you? So what they can do is um, I have posted all of the links and I know that's something that you'll be sharing. So I have partnered with Hope Is Now magazine. It is a national faith-based publication. All you need to do is subscribe to the magazine. You get eight editions for the entire year. It's only $35. And then out of that $35, $15 will go to the Happy Givers, which is the nonprofit based out of Puerto Rico. And so that's all it is. And so, you know, you get a good, nice publication that you can either take with you if you have a business and you have a way room and you need a magazine um you know i have my little column in there right <laughs> that'll have lots of different do you get locked in into it. like a long-term deal or anything like that no not at all so you're just once you subscribe for 35 dollars for the entire year you're done for the entire year you get the eight editions and then they would i believe shoot you an email if you want to resubscribe okay. at the end so it's that. not like the automatic renewal which yeah, gets a no. lot of people sometimes right right yeah definitely excellent we're going to put that up at hammer and nigel on twitter uh johnette cruz thank you so much thank for coming you. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. And now here to deliver the temperature, Chris Hammer. And I swear to God, if you screw this up, you're walking home tonight. (laughs) Don't screw this up. Don't make me look bad. Cloudy and 75 at the American Standard Cooling Weather Center. Yeah, baby. Hell yeah. Let's go. I had your back anyway, Chris. The Hammer and Nigel show on 93 WIPC. Oh, man. We're having a good time in here. Some laughs coming up a little bit after five o'clock. Crazy situation at the Regions Building last night. Yeah. We'll talk about that and why Randy Weingarten is in the UK. 
We'll get to that coming up here in just a little bit. I'm Jason Hammer. Mindy Winkler is here. Chris Hammer is here. There's a thread online where people are sharing examples, uh, specifically when bragging becomes a red flag. Like people who brag too much, and what point is it too much? And the number one example was boasting about being a good person. Now, Mindy, I think you've seen this show. Chris, I'm not sure if you have or not, but there was a great Chris Rock stand-up comedy bit about people who want to take credit and brag for things you're supposed to do. I take care of my kids. You're supposed to be a dumb <laughs> <laughs> uh, Right. <laughs> coming in at number two was about how little sleep they get. And number three, how easily they can manipulate people. So those are the things people brag about to the point where it gets on other people's nerves. Why Mindy? did you brag about manipulating people? I don't at least, know. At least change it and be like, I influence people. I'm a social <laughs> media influencer. Right. That's right. <laughs> the hammer and nigel and mindy winkler and mondo and matt bear and everybody but nigel show coming back <laughs> hammer and nigel you believe these characters are weirdos on 93 wibc so man this has been fun today having a good time with you guys it's the hammer and nigel show i'm jason hammer mindy winkler is here chris hammer is here all filling in for big nige today on twitter jared crouch tweets I want to know when Chris is starting full time. <laughs> to which Jason Hargrave responded, I want to know when Nigel is starting full time. <laughs> <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so again, thank you guys for uh, hanging out with us and having a good time. Did anybody see what happened at the Regions Tower last yes, night? Yes, that was crazy. So there were three workers... Uh, working on windows last night at the Regions Tower that needed to be rescued by the IFD, the fire department. They started replacing these big, heavy windows on the side of the Regions building at around 7 a.m., and then something happened. Like, the scaffolding pulley system that they were using uh, wasn't working. They were trying to go down and fix a window that had came undone. So we got a couple different things in play here. Right. We were scared that this window, this big, heavy glass like, <laughs> glass window was going to fall, you know, 30 plus stories down and create chaos. Right. And we were also concerned for these folks that were uh, on the scaffolding where the pulley system wasn't working properly. But luckily, after several attempts to fix the problems themselves, they called the fire department and Tactical 7 team, which specializes in like high angle rope rescues, uh, they were able to rescue the workers. The window was fine. Nobody was in danger. So this is pretty cool. But man, this is like my worst fear being stuck outside on a ledge like that. Well, I'm scared of heights in the first place. But my question was, and and. I applaud that they were making the effort to try and fix it themselves, but two hours that they worked on this before they called for help. That's a typical man. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on, Mindy. They did the right thing. They tried to fix two it. Two hours. <laughs> they could have been rescued a lot earlier. <laughs> they were rescued on the uh, 36th floor, and uh, ultimately they were okay. Now, Chris, we have been stuck on not a high rise, but we've been stuck on a roller coaster before. 
I have as well. That's the worst. Where did you get stuck, Mindy? Kings Island on the beast out in the forest. Oh, really? Were you like up high? We were no, we we were out. We were on the turn, like you know, when you're kind of angled, right? So like the banking kind of thing. Yes, and it was for over an hour. Oh no! In the dark. Chris, what was yours? Oh, you were on it with us. It was at SeaWorld. I forget the name. Was it the Kraken? Was that the the Kraken at SeaWorld? And it was one of those things where, like, once you get strapped in, it like faces your face directly down to the ground. You go like inverted, right, like Tom right. Cruise and Top Gun. Oh! <laughs> and then when we came back, because we went through the whole ride, it got through like normal, but when we came back, it never put us back to normal. It kept us inverted for like, what, 30 minutes? Right. So this was like one of the hottest days in Florida. It was like 105. And I'm a fat guy, and they got me <laughs> inverted, and I'm probably two feet face from the concrete. Sweat's pouring off my head. Blood is running rushing to my head. I mean, it was just the worst experience imaginable. 30 minutes. Holy and and neither one of us wanted to do it. It was our youngest, Jacob. Damn it. <laughs> Jacob Jacob's wanted to do it. Me and That's you wanted to go was. home. It, w- it was when we were leaving. Me and you wanted to leave and go back to the pool. But no, Jacob had to get on the ride. And of course it had to be us because the coupon lady's ass wasn't going to get on the <laughs> ride with him. <laughs> So we got stuck on this thing, and you guys actually handled it okay. But, man, imagine being a fat guy, and you're inverted, and sweat's pouring off your head. Your face is about two feet away from concrete, blood rushing to your head. It's like 105. Oh, it was the worst. You probably felt miserable the rest of the night. I did. I was not a pleasant person to speak with. That night. Did Jacob get an ass beating after that? No, he was fine. <laughs> he laughed. He thought it was funny. Like, he, he, he had a great time. Uh, Chris was a little bitter, but I was mean. I, I said some things that I probably should apologize for that <laughs> night. He's going to need counseling later. Like, oh, it was so bad. Um, so, Randy Weingarten, she is the teacher's union leader. And she's basically this woman that was the reason that kids did not go to school in this country for a long period of time. She always wanted more and more and more. And it had nothing to do with the kids and their safety. It was all about the teachers and their wish list that they thought they could use the pandemic as an excuse for. For some reason, she's now over in the Ukraine. Um, She put out a tweet, quote, woke up this morning to reports of disgusting Russian missile strikes in Kiev, Lev, and other cities. Heading to the border now to assess the situation. This Russian attempt to frighten civilians and the effect on children who are learning online today is why this trip is so important. And then she puts out this video. And uh, we've made a decision that we're going to go to Lviv and talk to the union leaders there and um, that we're not going to let Putin um, get away with terrorizing people. People, um, uh, Putin terrorized people today with this wave of indiscriminate bombings throughout the cities of, of Ukraine. First of all, I dislike this woman so much that when she just says Putin, it ticks me off. Right, right. <laughs> Putin, Putin, Putin. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, second of all, who asked Randy Weingarten to go to Ukraine and assess the situation? Correct. What's that got to do with her job? Chris, you are a senior in high school. Take me through what your four years of high school has been like with Randy Weingarten calling the shots for the teacher's administration. With the exception of half a year of normalcy my freshman year, it's been e-learning. We can't do this because of COVID. Oh, you can't go back to the building. COVID this. It's been a nonstop uncertainty of are you going back to school? Are you not? We're just now finally like committed to being back in the building. 
This year for you, and again, this is a staggering thing, and it really ticks me off. Chris, your senior year this year is your first regular school year Mm -hmm. since your eighth grade year. Yeah. Wow. That's a shame. Yes. What these kids have gone through, Mindy, in their high school careers is an absolute abomination. Absolutely. These kids need to be in school, and again, for... Wine Garden, it was never about what was best for the kids. It was about what was best financially for these teacher unions. Well, and our kids are behind as a result. I mean, my son is a freshman at Purdue, and he's taking calculus again because he's like, Mom, I didn't learn anything my senior year. We weren't in there to learn it, so I'm having to retake it, and I'm having to pay for it now. <laughs> and not just like for the older kids like we have, these younger kids oh. that lost social development yes. because of the masks and the e-learning. Like for some of these younger kids, social development is such a big part of the education process. Absolutely. So I guess my question is, what the hell's Wine Garden going to do over there? Is she going to make sure the Ukrainian kids are vaxxed? <laughs> is she going to walk around and just kind of... Mask up! Excuse me. Maybe if you mask up, you know, these bombs will stop falling and then you can go back to class. Um, apparently ruining the education of the American children wasn't enough. So now she has to start the world tour. The Randy Wine Garden ruin the education world tour. Buy your t-shirt now. And like, if you were an AFT member, right? And I know some folks listen to this show who are members of the AFT, but they don't necessarily like Randy Weingarten. They kind of feel like they have to be involved in the AFT. How do you feel about your dues money going to her wild and wacky vacation in Ukraine? Right. Like, that's where your union dues is going, so she can get a photo op with Zelensky in Ukraine. Weingarten couldn't keep kids in school because of a respiratory virus and contributed to the worst academic results in 30 years, but now she's going to help kids learn in an actual war zone? Stop it. Yes. Unless there's a Joe Namath lookalike contest happening in Ukraine, Randy Weingarten does not need to be there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, look at Joe Namath right now and look at Randy Weingarten right now. You put those two side by side, I'm telling you, it's the same person. And Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. I've got big balls. I've got big balls. You think you're cute, don't you, Mondo? He does. (laughs) Well, we were talking about ACDC earlier, and, um, well. I appreciate This next segment, I I feel like this is appropriate. Yes. Mood music. So this is the part of the show where I remind everybody that Mike Pence used to sit in this chair (laughs) and he would deliver sharp, witty commentary about the news of the day. Everyone left smarter because of it. And now it's time to play. How have you injured your crotch? Uh, Mindy, do you have a story of how you've injured your crotch? I have multiple ones, actually, but I'm just going to focus on the one. Wow. I know. Apparently, yeah. I I need to be like 5'10", and this wouldn't happen to me. I'm 5'6". One of the times was I was trying to be a smartass and move over one of those, like, um, turnstiles that you go through that tells you how many people have come through. Yes. And I thought I'd try to jump over it. Oh, <laughs> didn't quite make it. No, got you right in the old catcher's glove. Yeah, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. My brother laughed hysterically. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what friend and family do. Right. They laugh at you first, but then we make sure you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we're ready to get this rolling. Chris, the floor is yours. All right, Grant, welcome to the Hammer and Niger Show. How have you injured your crotch? 
Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Um, What's up? Not much. Uh, trying not to injure my crotch. Um, years ago, we were in uh, Illinois visiting family, and my brother and I were in a stream. We were uh, doing some fly fishing, going under a fence. I didn't realize it was an electric fence. Oh, yeah. Reached reached out and grabbed it, and one of the one of the wires broke. Landed in the crotch area. Oh, not a a good time. Do you have children now? You know what? It's no. (laughs) 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 I'm hoping it's not related. Wow. Thank you very much. Larry, you are up next. Larry, how have you injured your crotch? Oh, man, I think this will top everybody. We were on Lake Monroe, and we had uh, some friends out on the boat. And you know how they tell, where they say, you know, keep your hands and feet in the ride at all times? Uh-huh. Well, I didn't. I was sitting on the side of the boat, and the water was extremely choppy that day. And here comes a badass boat just going really fast, and it threw one heck of a wake. And it, it threw me, and I didn't realize how close I was to the cleat. And I landed right on that cleat. Ooh. And, oh, Yeah. And uh, the way my other leg, and I did the splits on top of that. <laughs> oh, my Lord. The boys wow. in the bag were completely black and blue. The, oh, no. Inside of my thigh, all the way below my knee, it was just purple, black, blue. It was horrible. And I thought I broke my leg. It, it hurt so bad. Oh, oh no. My gosh. Like, did you have to ice the uh, crotch region? <laughs> Oh, oh, absolutely, for hours. I mean, it was painful. Oh. <laughs> I thought I split the boys right open once I hit that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Uh, Chris Hammer, we got to get you in the mix here. How have you injured your crotch? All right. About four years ago, I was playing a baseball game. Now, I'm a third baseman, third base known as the hot corner. Uh, this particular day, I decided I wasn't going to wear my cup. So. <laughs> you can't learn for bad news bears. Come on. <laughs> so, this kid at the plate, big power hitter. He hits a ground ball to me, but he ropes it. It was moving. And we were playing at, like, a really bad field. It hits a rock. Skips right up and hits Big Jim and the kids. Oh! (laughs) So it hits the rock and it ricochets and it gets you right there. Yep. Yikes. Joe, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. How have you injured your crotch? I I can't top some of these, but uh, just say do never stand on a bungee cord and try to stretch it out. (laughs) when it slips slips out from under your foot it is not good and uh and guy relford for u.s senate how's that oh (laughs) i love i love the second half of that the first part not so much (laughs) greg you're next up greg how have you injured your crotch Yes, sir. Well, you know these old um, console stereo systems where you slide the door open one side, and it's like a, uh, the turntables are on one side. You slide the door on the other side. The radio, the radio is there. That's about a couple of feet off the floor. We're having a birthday party. They spun me around. Of course, I, we were playing pin the tail and donkey. I had a blindfold on. They spun me around. I was dizzy. I backed up, sat down on the spindle of that turntable. Um, you know, put it right up through my 
separated the boys. Oh, <laughs> separated the boys. Oh, no. Yeah. Like some people get blood force trauma. You got separation. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Go to the hospital, get stitches, end of the party right there. Uh, the parents uh, of, the, of the person who's having the party had taken to the hospital. And so this day I have uh, three, little scar- three little stitches down there from when I was about seven, six, seven years old. Yeah, that's, <laughs> oh my that's, goodness. that's a problem. Um, let's go to Nigel. Now, I don't believe this is our Nigel. It's a Nigel. Nigel, it's about time you joined the Hammer and Nigel <laughs> show. How have you injured your crotch? It's a stage name. Um, back in the 90s, I did custom framing. And when you have a foundation, they have these 5-8 threaded rods sticking up out of the concrete. And you have to put uh, two by 4 green plate on that. Well, we would put it on top of there, hammer it down to market, and then take it back to a set of sawhorses and drill them out with a three-quarter inch uh, paddle bit. Well, the drill I had was an electric drill, and it did not have a brake like they do now. I don't know what happened. I was wearing a pair of sweats. I was drilling them out. I got done. I was letting the drill down by the cord to the ground because that's the way we always did it. And somehow that paddle bit, which was still spinning, caught my sweats and spun my junk right into the sweats. Oh! Did not... Did not cut me, but it, it, like I said, it spun, and they both were in there, and I had to put it in reverse to get it out because it was so tired. Oh my Back gosh. it up, Terry. Put it in reverse, Terry. You got to cut the sweatpants. Oh, oh, oh Lord. Oh, that wow. was a really good description, actually. Wow. Uh, Rick, how have you injured your crotch? Um, when we were kids. We were uh, back in the evil Knievel days. We was always jumping things. We was out of the bike trail one day, and uh, there was this hill probably about 20 feet tall. We decided we was going to build a ramp on top of the hill and jump off the hill. And when I did that, landed on the ground, landed right in the middle of the bar on the bike, they come across a gooseneck. Ooh. Ooh. The old bar on the gooseneck. Oh. <laughs> Doug. Oh, Doug's gone. All right. Thank you so much for bringing the pain. Thank you so much for being honest. And that is how we play around of how have you injured your crotch. And now for the very awkward transition to Harrison Silcox. <laughs> You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, Pretty boy, Tony. It's Tuesday with Tony Cass on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, don't want to keep Tony waiting. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Mindy Winkler filling in for Big Nige. We got Chris Hammer running around here somewhere. Uh, let's connect with Tony Katz. Tuesdays with Tony. Tony, we got a number of places we could start at here, but let's start here in Indiana. I know you've talked about this. We've talked about it. The Indiana congressional candidate and veteran who basically had her sexual assault outed by her opponent and then a liberal writer, Adam Wren. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on this, Tony. Uh, my, and I, I discussed it today in, in depth, uh, my uh, absolute disgust with the Indianapolis media writ large, uh, Indiana media, uh, save WIBC. Uh, you have medical records. I shouldn't say medical records. Military records that are alleged stolen, mm. and alleged stolen by a congr- a member of Congress, and no one's reporting on this. No one talks about it. No one discusses it. No one shares it. 
we're the only people having this conversation about the possibility of Frank Mervan, a Democrat, getting this information and giving it to a Politico reporter who has been a non-journalist in Indiana for years now in a piece that wasn't necessary and a statement in the piece that wasn't necessary to try and embarrass Jennifer Ruth Green, uh, humiliate, insult, disparage, destroy, smear. I don't even know what they were going for. It's madness. But how did they get the records? And there is not a single reporter as of yet in Indiana, never mind Indianapolis, that is engaged in this conversation. It's just more important that you read off the teleprompter and you get invited to the good parties. It is akin, in my view, to what happened in two nights of rioting, Hammer, that you and I talk about all the time. Where was Mayor Joe Hogsett? Nobody does a FOIA request. Nobody wants to know what his phone records were from those nights. Nobody wants to know what his emails were from that night. How is he making sure that the city was safe while banks were being set on fire and dumpsters were set on fire and rolled down uh, the, the middle of the street? No one. The amount of actual reporting that takes place in Indiana, in Indianapolis, is nil at best. When the Indy Star wants to do a story about Larry Nasser, man, they could do it right. It was an incredible bit of reporting. But if it doesn't fit some level of narrative, they don't do the story? It's obscene. I don't get it. I'm disgusted by it. And if I lose friends in the vaunted Indianapolis media, you know, I'll sleep fine. My thing is, where's the outrage from every female out there and the fact, and every victim in particular that this was allowed to be even be presented, as you mentioned, and where how they were able to gain access to it? How many other people are they able to gain access to? The problem here, uh, Mindy, is that... Um, uh, Jennifer Ruth Green is a Republican. You see, if Jennifer Ruth Green were a Democrat, we would be talking about how this is an attack on women, how this is an attack right. specifically on black women. But because she's a Republican, you see, she's not really black and she's not really a woman. That is how it's viewed. If you're black and Republican, you're not really black. If you're woman and Republican, you're not really woman. If you're Jewish and, 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 and conservative, I usually say as conservative, you're not really uh, Jewish, uh, gay, whatever it is you want to put in there. This is how they view it. And it is extremely obvious because when we play that game, Mindy, we play the game, what if it were uh, a Republican? Republican or what if it were a Democrat, you understand where the result would be. So therefore, heretofore, however you want to say it, <laughs> uh, you, you, you realize that the bias is incredibly, incredibly real and the media apparatus of Indianapolis has failed remarkably. And Tony, the self-admitted pencil neck who wrote this story, and I say that because he outed himself as a pencil neck after a segment Greg Garrison had done on our program, He's Mr. Billy Badass when it comes to trying to go after the conservatives or when he wants attention, he'll come at WIBC. But now, Mr. Twitter Tough Guy, if you scroll through his Twitter timeline, this story that he should be so proud to have out there, he doesn't want to talk about it. He's back to doing what he does best, uh, carrying the water for Pete Buttigieg, ripping on Mike Pence. I think that speaks volumes that this guy, this reporter, is basically ashamed of his own work now that he's getting a little bit of heat i don't i don't know 
whether he's ashamed or, or, or not, uh, I, I try not to uh, pay much attention uh, to him. He, he, not, not a journalist, right? Just, just not a journalist. I think that's the, the, the key. And let us ask why Politico and the Indianapolis Monthly uh, think that he is. I think that's a, a legitimately good question, especially when, when you look at this. Uh, I think what's, what's important here, and what at least what I'm focused on, don't get me wrong, bad reporting and non-reporting and this kind of yellow journalism that he's engaged in is despicable and worth discussing. Where did these records come from? How did he end up with them? Who got them to him? And was it a sitting member of Congress? Tuesdays with Tony. Tony Katz joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Um, you talked about Tulsi Gabbards uh, to kick off your program today, leaving the Democratic Party. She puts out this video. She's explaining why. Does this move the needle at all this close to midterms? I, so my argument is, uh, I think, a default one, which is I don't think so. I don't really think so. But the the... The, the, the video she made has me asking a fair amount of questions, especially when she talks about uh, uh, my, my like-minded, independent Democrats. To whom is she speaking? <laughs> right. Well, wait, wait, right. I'm with you, Mindy. As a top-line <laughs> joke, that could be pretty funny. Take it out of the joke for a second, because I had to do the same thing. Take it out of the joke, and now let's ask ourselves in the most serious you, me, hammer on the bar stool. Hammer's already fallen off. We have to put him back on. <laughs> the, the three of us at the bar stool, to whom is she speaking? What if there is the possibility that the video is purposeful and she's actually in her head speaking to someone or someone's? Who is that? What do, does she expect them to do? I don't think she's talking to the Democratic Party writ large, and I don't think she's becoming a Republican. She's not a Republican. I don't think she's even so much creating her own political party. I, I haven't seen a, a, a whiff of that. To whom is she speaking to? Because I don't think she's speaking to just America. I thought right at the end there, I've gone over and over and over it. Is she speaking to anybody specific? And that's my question. That's the question I would ask Tulsi Gabbard. So last night, I clearly hate myself. So I went back and watched a little bit of the Ohio Senate race. <laughs> I needed something to do after the Monday night football game. So I'm laying in bed. I rewatched the uh, Senate race with Ohio. And anybody with two eyes and open ears can see that last night, I don't know about the campaign, but last night, J.D. Vance handed Tim Ryan his ass. But Tim Ryan had a good zinger in there. And that's what gets carried by the Hill. That's what gets carried by Politico. That's the one thing I see all over uh, the news networks. Um, Midterms are approaching. We're less than 30 days away here, Tony. Ohio's in play. Georgia's in play. There's drama in Arizona. What are you looking at? In, in, in all these races, uh, does it matter? Do I have to pick a specific state or no, any whatever or interests you? Big picture. Um, the big picture is if we are going to now allow an argument to take place in Georgia uh, that Herschel Walker, the Republican nominee for Senate, paid for someone's abortion, even though it's only alleged, and this is proof positive of Republican hypocrisy, and they'll do anything for power, John Fetterman, the Democratic Senate candidate in Pennsylvania, cannot complete a sentence. The man is not well. I, I'm not a doctor. All I am is a, a pretty observant cat. 
he's not well. He cannot complete a sentence. And the Democrats are convinced that they should support him. Robert Reich, the former labor secretary under Bill Clinton, put out a tweet today. You got to support these candidates because if we get these to win, then we can codify Roe v. Wade in the Senate. You mean you'll put a guy who won't understand the legislation in, in front of him on the Senate floor to vote so you get your way? This is insane. If you think that supporting Herschel Walker is somehow hypocrisy, but you're okay with supporting John Fetterman, I don't know what else to do. Uh, Democrats voting for Fetterman when they know he's not all right is beyond my comprehension and is is all the proof you need that we are in the most ugly of spots. That's the race I'm watching. Why is it that the Republican Party should have, like, you know, really taken advantage of this and said, look, yes, Herschel Walker allegedly paid for this abortion, but he, he, he's been living with that guilt and has decided that this is, was not a good thing. Why didn't they take that stance instead of just letting it come off as just hypocrisy? People change as they age and grow. So I'm... Uh, an understand. I, I believe that this to be true. Uh, one of the arguments is is that this uh, paid for abortion happened in 2009. Um, exactly how much growth happens in in 12 years, 13 years. Uh, but you are absolutely correct that they should have gotten ahead of the thing, and they didn't. And and that's an issue. The other side of this is I have not seen the left. They, they, they don't have a conversation on energy security. They don't have a conversation on the border. They don't have a conversation on Ukraine. They don't have a conversation on China. But, man, they will punch you and your sister if you talk about abortion. This is – when we talk about cult – Good Lord, this is the only thing that moves them. This and, of course, supporting the idea uh, that children can decide their gender. These are the two things that they plan on winning elections on. <laughs> right. um, best of luck, because if well, I shouldn't say it that way. If they can win on those two things, uh, bad news ahead for all of us. What's coming up on your big shows tomorrow? Uh, what was I going to talk about tomorrow? I, I had uh, something that I wanted to get into that I forget right now. You, you were going to talk about how me. good Jason Hammerl looks when he wears khaki shorts. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen you in in khaki shorts. Is, is it true that part of a night with WIBC, you will be in khaki shorts? Uh, you're going to have to buy a ticket and find out, or scalp a ticket because I believe it's sold out. I think it's sold out too. I'm telling you right now, if people scalp their night with WIBC tickets, I will smile. <laughs> I want scalpers and I want a tailgate outside. I want people like with their grills doing beer bongs. That's a great idea. That's what I want to happen. Yeah, I want them inside. <laughs> grills and beer bongs inside. <laughs> well, I think that's going to be what uh, Tony's going to do for your 20-minute set on the stage, though. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, mine's really good. I've been doing some special stretches for it. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, I don't know what he's talking about tomorrow, but I guarantee it's going to be a hell of a show. He's on social media at Tony Katz. Facebook is Tony Katz Radio. TK, thank you. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Hammer and Friends. It's what this show really has become, right? Uh, I'm Jason Hammer. Mindy Winkler is here. Chris Hammer is here. We have another hour to go. Another hour of the Hammer and Nigel show. And then coming up at 7 o'clock tonight, there's a Fox News midterm special that's going to be airing uh, right here. So 
we got another hour of us and then the Fox News midterm special. Do not go anywhere. So, Chris, with the uh, little bit of time we have here before we got to take a break, you have been going to these weddings with me for the better portion of about five years now, right? Correct. So I just wrapped up <clears throat> wedding season, right? No more weddings on the book for me. Um, got some Saturdays off. I still have the TV shows, but Saturday evenings are now open. From the time that you've been going to these weddings with me, what are some of the things that have been a little eye-opening for you? What have you seen? Just how drunk some people can really get, <laughs> honestly. That's that's the main thing that you can see at weddings and the parties that we DJ. And keep in mind, like, I hang out with Nigel, and for you <laughs> to say that other people are completely hammered drunk, uh, that's a pretty bold statement. And uh, what's crazy is that uh, some of these brides, man, God love them. They just don't want to relax. Like, all right. At the ceremony, all eyes are on you. The pressure's on you. You got to say the right thing. Got to walk down the aisle. Once you get to the reception, let the DJ handle it. Let right. the photographer handle it. Sit back, get drunk, dance, and have a good time. That's the one thing that I uh, I will not miss as I scale back a little bit on some of these weddings, the bridezillas. And you've seen a few of them. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, but the one thing I think you will miss is trying to hit on the bridesmaids once in a while, <laughs> especially now that you're 18. So right. there you go. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7, on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.